With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, Anthony from Maze and Brew here to introduce you to our friends and sponsors of the podcast, HomeFieldApparel.com. HomeField is a premium collegiate apparel brand located right in the heart of Big Ten country in Indianapolis and makers of some of the most comfortable items of clothing you will ever own. HomeField launched its Michigan collection in early November with several awesome vintage designs that capture a lot of the things we love about the Wolverines. Everything they do and design for all schools comes from a place of love that honors the history of some of our favorite institutions across the country. So if you're looking for a gift for that Tulane grad of yours, or simply want to add some North Dakota State gear to your collection, in addition to the Michigan stuff you buy, they are the place to do it. Our listeners, our readers, the Maize and Brew family can get 20% off your first purchase using the promo code MNB at homefieldapparel.com. That's promo code MNB at homefieldapparel.com for 20% off your first purchase. I promise you, their gear will become an instant favorite in your collection. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Maze and Brew Hoops podcast, the second edition. I am Chris Castellani, and I'm joined today by my uh, boss and cohort, Anthony Broom. And we are also joined by uh, Daniel Dash, who does a great job covering uh, Michigan basketball at, over at uh, MNB. So appreciate you guys uh, coming on today, ready to talk some Michigan hoops. We uh, exchange pleasantries. Uh, before the recording. So we're just going to jump right into this, talking about what is now a 4-0 Michigan basketball team. I think after last week, and we talked about this on last week's pod a little bit, Anthony, but I think the question that the fan base collectively was asking was, was last week's, let's call it for what it is, pretty abysmal performance 
against a, a really bad Oakland team. I mean, that team is now, I believe, 0-5 and has not been competitive in any of their games except for Michigan. Was that a performance that was indicative of the kind of unit that we're going to watch in 2020, 2021? And with the performances that we've seen this week, uh, a blowout win against Ball State and a blowout win uh, on Sunday against UCF, I think collectively the answer is no. This is not uh, – we are not going to go back and look at the Oakland game the way that we looked at uh, – NJIT and and Eastern Michigan in December of 2014. Those were uh, games that were reflective of the kind of unit that John Beeline had this year. I think overall with the two performances that they had this week wasn't completely perfect, but in general, uh, like I said, after the Bowling Green win, it checked off all the boxes. It's, it's hard not to be pretty satisfied with how this team looked this week. Yeah, two games, two wins. Uh, You go through the first two weeks of the season now unscathed, especially when things were a little sketchy a week ago tonight as we record this on a Sunday night here. Yeah, it's they've checked pretty much all the boxes so far. I I was pretty – and we'll talk about both games, uh, assuming we follow the format that we did last week. But I'm really just – I think the biggest takeaway so far is that you know, first, first and foremost, college basketball, basketball in general is a 40 minute game. There's going to be runs. There's going to be, um, you know, good things that happen, bad things that happen. It's not quite as absolute as football is. Um, so there have been some good stretches and some bad stretches, but I think overall, I mean, the team is four and they fought through these bad stretches. I think the thing I'm most impressed with is the counter punch that this team can throw when, you know, with all the options that they have, I mean, Sunday night's game, for example, that was as lackluster a first, you know, 10, 12 minutes to a game I've seen from, you know, Franz Wagner, who was in foul trouble, uh, to be fair. Uh, Isaiah Livers didn't even score until late in the game to be able to do what they did late in the first half of that game. You kind of, you know, put your foot on the pedal and, not just fight off UCF. I mean, run them right out of the building after 12 really bad minutes of basketball. I, I, I've been pretty impressed with their resolve. And, you know, I think they would even tell you they're not quite sure what they have yet. I think they're pretty sure what they have, but I, I'm not sure they know who their best five is right now. But, you know, in any combination, you might have seven or eight guys that can factor into that best five. And that's, you know, that's a pretty good place to be. Especially when you consider the modifications made to this year's preseason and the practice schedule leading up to real games. I mean, this is a team that wasn't formally practicing until mid-October. And when you factor in the fact that they graduated two program cornerstones, they lost three to the transfer portal. They brought in two transfers and a four-man freshman class for them to come together and gel this quickly and be able to throw, as you said, that kind of a counterpunch. It, it really adds a valuable dimension and makes you think that the ceiling is pretty high when they do put it together and they do figure out that best five and establish some sort of a, a consistent rotation once they get to big 10 play. No, I'm, I'm with both you guys completely. And I, I guess we might as well just kind of do what we did last week and jump right into uh, the two games that we saw this week. The first one, uh, against a Ball State team that will probably be you know, middle of the road uh, in the MAC, you know, probably not as uh, difficult of an opponent as Bowling Green was, even though Michigan uh, had a lot of success against them as well. An 84 to 65 victory. You had three guys, or I'm sorry, four guys in double figures. Hunter Dickinson with a double double off the bench with 12 points. And 11 rebounds. Isaiah Livers led all scores with 21. I think that the takeaway I got from that game, and I think we're going to be seeing this from this team quite a bit, is 
this seems far more athletic than they were a year ago. I think most of us knew that coming in. But one thing that last year's team lacked, and really, I mean, we might glorify, but we did many podcasts about this, Anthony, as well. One thing that the 2019 team, I feel like, lacked a little bit as well is uh, that go-to scorer when you need a bucket and you might be going through a drought. I think Michigan has – I mean, the, the one go-to is probably Isaiah Livers. I mean, it is. But you saw on Sunday night as well, and we'll talk about that in a second, that uh, there's several guys here who can get you a bucket uh, when you need it. I think this is a team, uh, given how well they they can score the basketball, uh, will just be able on a lot of nights against inferior opponents with inferior athletes, uh, probably run some guys off the court just with how efficiently they can score the basketball. Yeah, I mean, I know we're we're going by game game by game here, but, you know, looking back at, last Wednesday night's game, the, the 84 65 victory over uh, ball state, the thing that kind of sticks out, and this is to, you know, speaks to the depth and, and to what you just talked about is how many different guys can be a factor in this game. In that game on Wednesday, Franz Wagner was a plus 27. Isaiah livers was a plus 21. You go look, you look at the, uh, you know, the box score from today's game or Sunday night's game. It's not quite as high. Wagner was a, a 16, a plus 16. Livers was a plus 11. That's actually higher than I thought it would be, um, given that really ne- neither guy did much of anything. But, you know, going back to Wednesday's game, um, that was a team we're coming off, you know, the last time we podcasted here talking basketball, they were coming off that Oakland game. And, you know, it was at the end of the day, it was a double digit victory non conference play, but it took overtime to do that. And I think what this team wanted to be able to do was to come out and say, let's play 40 minutes of dominant Michigan basketball and, you know, walk out of here with a fairly easy victory. And they were able to do that. Um, You know, that was to this point, their most complete effort of the season, maybe not their most impressive. I think I would probably chalk up the second game we talk about today is that, but uh, yeah, across the board. I mean, you look at, you just look, look at the minutes up and down the, the distribution there. You look at, the stat sheet. I mean, nobody on that, on this team Wednesday took more than 11 shots. So they don't have that go-to guy, but that might not be the worst. You know, it's one thing where last year you lack that go-to guy when livers like livers had to be that guy. If he wasn't that guy, you were screwed this year. It's like, all right, livers doesn't have a great game. Wagner doesn't have a great game. Here's Chandy Brown for 20 points off the bench. Or, um, you know, here's Hunter Dickinson with a double, double out of nowhere. It's, they have so much that they're able to do in the progress that these, like, like Daniel said, it's been a truncated off season and a really quick, I mean, Wednesday is the last non-conference game a week from today. We're going to be talking about the first game of big 10 plays. So not that you're getting thrown right into the fire there as well for them to have guys like Hunter Dickinson and Terrence Williams. And, you know, to a certain extent, Zeb Jackson that, that have come in early and played some pretty key minutes. I mean, again, we know what the floor of this team probably is, but the better they play and the more they play this early, that just raises the ceiling moving forward. Yeah, and I would add to that, if we're still talking about Wednesday's game, the yeah. fact that they gave up a 19-6 to run to end that first half. They had yeah. that first half firmly within their grasp, but then it really slipped away, and then they gave up the first bucket of the second half, and before you knew it, uh, the lead's down to five points. And then from there, they just blow the door open once again. It's those little spurts we saw it we'll talk about tonight's game separately but 
I mean, they blew the door open again tonight when they needed to. If they could figure out how to consistently do that, uh, ideally from the tip off, but to just find the unit and the five guys that mesh as well as Wednesdays and Sundays have, uh, I think that they're going to be in a really good spot in the beginning of Big Ten play when a lot of other teams are still trying to find their footing. For yeah, sure. and, and and maybe so – I don't want to interrupt here too no, much, but you know, maybe to a certain extent we're talking about keeping the game separate. Maybe it's not all that separate. You look at um, the box scores or you go on Kempom, Ball State is the number 138 team in the country. UCF is slightly better at 114. And mind you, I think UCF had only played one game coming into this game, but um, you know, it's just you're, you're racking up really outside of the Oakland game. First of all, you've scored – you score at least 80 points in every game. Believe it or not, this was their lowest scoring output of the season. Um, like I said, it's this is pretty much what you want to see in non-conference play. So, no, I, and uh, real quick, I just want to amend something I said several minutes ago, where I, I talked about Michigan having that go-to guy. I think last year most people would have viewed when Livers was out, viewed Simpson as probably that guy. And as much as I love Xavier Simpson, and he had some wonderful games. We, we're well aware of the Simpsons' limitations as a player. He was not a great jump shooter. I'm talking when you need a bucket, I'm talking a guy who can hit a mid-range shot, who can hit a three-pointer. When Livers was out, they didn't necessarily have that last year. And I think this year they have several guys who are capable of doing that. So uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Michigan's blowout win on Sunday against UCF. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today on the official Maze and Brew Hoops podcast. Michigan won on Sunday an 80-58 to victory against the UCF uh, Golden Knights, the, the Johnny Dawkins coached team. I'll be honest, this was a game before the season that I circled on the calendar as a potential trap game. Uh, in the limited amount of games I've seen UCF play over the last several seasons, uh, I think Johnny Dawkins does quite a good job there. And he, I'm sure he's just waiting for Coach K to retire so he can take uh, the Duke job, which may very well be his uh, at some point here. But I, 
I think that's a team that plays hard. They play that zone, which is, as we saw against uh, Oakland, Michigan has had a tendency to struggle with in the past. I thought it might be a dogfight. And for the first 10 to 12 minutes, it looked that way. Michigan fell behind by 12 points uh, pretty early in this ball game, but you saw the defense tighten up. I thought defensive efficiency in the second half was tremendous. Michigan explodes with a 20, nothing run in the second half. Now I, I was talking about this with you, Anthony, before we recorded that uh, I think on sometimes when we do our pods, given the, the teams we cover, we have a tendency to kind of deal with a lot of negativity and that's, I don't take any of that back. I, I thought Michigan in the last 30 minutes of that game played tremendous. I, I really did. I don't, I think UCF is, Arguably the best team they've played so far. I think probably by the end of the season, they'll end up being the best team they've played through the first four or five games. And I thought Michigan overall on both sides of the floor was uh, was really efficient and really good, especially in those last 30 minutes. Yeah, Here's the one. I mean, this is the number for that pretty much sums up how this game went. I mean, UCF led 28-16 with about eight or nine minutes to go in the first half. Uh, Michigan outscored them the rest of the way 68-30. to Right. Um, so that's putting your foot on the gas and then some, and, and like I said, we talked about this before with the depth. I mean, that was, that was not, that was as listless and lifeless a start as we've seen from them this season. Um, starting five included, I mean, Mike Smith, Mike Smith didn't play, um, all, at least in terms of the box score, didn't play an awesome game. Uh, no, Isaiah livers didn't score his five points until later in the second half. Franz Wagner wasn't much of a factor at all. So it's nice to know that, and this is where we'll probably talk about this a little bit more in terms of Hunter Dickinson and where he stands. Mm -hmm. You can bring a couple spark plugs off the bench, like a Shondi Brown, like Hunter Dickinson, like Terrence Williams. And like I said, you don't want to rely on freshmen to kind of have to, you know, pull you by the collar and get your, you know, get your act together. But Michigan has guys who are up to, up to the task there. And uh, Hunter Dickinson, six for six from the floor tonight. 14 points, seven rebounds. He's, um, I don't know what more there is to be said there. He's, he's clearly your best starting, uh, your best center. I shouldn't say starting center. Not, not quite. Um, no, no. And I have thoughts. I, we'll talk about the rotations here, but um, like I said, it's just another example of when you don't have your best guys, you can still win basketball, not just gut out basketball games. You can still win them going away. So yeah, just um, it's hard not to be it's it's hard not to be impressed. I don't know what to say. I mean, this is this is the type of week and the type of game Michigan fell outside the top twenty-five last week. I'd expect they'd be back in it this week, somewhat comfortable. Not like eighteen, nineteen, but maybe twenty-two, twenty-three, something like that. Mm-hmm. And if you're a Michigan fan sitting at home watching Sunday night's game, I mean, those last thirty minutes of the game are probably the best thing you could ask for at this point in a season. Uh, I mean, this is a, a team that lost to program cornerstones from a year ago. So to show that they have that kind of depth, to show that they're capable of that, and it's not going to be a, a steep learning curve that lasts a month and a half or two months for freshmen, that they can come in and immediately be the guys who can pull you by the collar. I think that's incredibly valuable. If you learn that lesson now, you don't have to learn it, you know, halfway through January when you're on a six game losing streak. I, I think that to get, that kind of valuable minutes uh, what Hunter Dickinson has done so far is its own kind of topic, but to know that you have Shawnee Brown and Terrence Williams just ready to come off the bench. If Isaiah livers is over three and sees the bench quickly or Franz Wagner picks up 2005 minutes. I think 
that's the kind of lesson that you want to learn at this point in the season. And quite frankly, it's exactly what Michigan has now proven multiple times they have waiting on that bench. Yeah, and that's you guys talk about depth, and that's really the story. It's kind of the story of the season so far, but it was especially the story of this game. 49 bench points by Michigan in this game. And really, you know, they ended up winning by 22. So it's hard to say that, you know, a certain moment uh, or a certain sequence changed the game or won them the game, but they were kind of flailing. And the minutes they got out of Terrence Williams, the minutes they got out of Hunter Dickinson, Hunter Dickinson, six for six from the floor and two for two from the free throw line. Every time he put a ball towards the basket, it went in in this game, also added seven rebounds. You had Shawnee Brown coming off the bench with seven for 12 from the floor, four for six from three-point range. He may be the the uh, the recipient of the, the Charles Matthews All or Nothing Award this year because we saw how much he struggled against Oakland and how much he dominated against Bowling Green and dominated again on Sunday against UCF. So I that's, I think, going to be the key theme for this team this year is how deep they are. They played, they emptied their bench, but even before that, they still played about nine, 10 deep. You had guys who didn't even score a ton of points, like Brandon Johns only had five. I thought he added some good minutes off the bench and it kind of leads us into the, what you mentioned uh, Anthony and that's rotation. So early on, I think against Bowling Green and especially against Oakland, uh, some of Juwan's decisions in terms of the lineups that he went with were a little bit questionable. You think back to the Bowling Green game where he went with the smaller lineup there for a minute and Bowling Green made a run as much as I think it's obvious Hunter Dickinson is the best center on this team. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what decisions Juwan makes here because he, I could easily see him looking at this as a, hey, it's not broke, so I'm not going to try to fix it type of situation. But at the same time, you have two guys in Shawnee Brown and Hunter Dickinson who are giving you such good minutes that they're going to be seeing the floor probably for 25, 30 minutes a night given the kind of production that you're getting out of them so far. Yeah, I think that Michigan fans – are best served to stop thinking of this team, like being starters bench players. I think maybe you should start thinking about it in terms of like lines and hockey where you're constantly guys are constantly rotating in and out. Um, I counted in that first game, they ran something like uh, the Bowling green game, something like 12 or 13 rotations out there, just mixing and matching and tinkering with what they had. Um, it's kind of an interesting dilemma with Hunter and it's not even, it's a very good problem to have. It's not a dilemma. Oh yeah. I mean, dilemma in the good sense of the word. Um, Hunter Dickinson through four games is, I mean, one big performance is one thing too. It's like, okay, it might be good. We're, this is four games in a row where he's clearly the best center they have the, their best option at the five. So he should start, right? Well, this is where it becomes, this is where it's interesting. And it becomes more like a hockey line type thing. Um, I don't think you can start him and bring Austin Davis into a, into a game like this and have Terrence Williams do what he was able to do. So it's kind of like that chemistry is paying off for them too. And the bench chemistry um, is paying off to where, like I said, Austin Davis, you're pretty confident. You're pretty comfortable in the fact that he's going to come in and give you 10 to 15 good minutes a night. That's whether he's a starter that just plays the first five to seven minutes of each half, or if he's a guy who comes in to spell Dickinson in whatever form or fashion that takes. Now, once you get into big 10 play, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a little bit different and it might even be different after, you know, after this game next Sunday, when they open big 10 play against Penn state, 
they don't play another game for 12 days until Christmas day at Nebraska. Then they won't play again until new year's Eve at Maryland. So a lot can change in that, in that time frame, and maybe guys cool off or whatever. But like I said, um, if you bring someone like Austin, you know, everyone wants Austin Davis to go to the bench. Like I said, I think the, the argument can be made that um, the tone that's being set when Dickinson comes in the game is something you probably could use to start the game because you don't fall into a hole like that. But again, with everything that's going on right now, um, I don't think Terrence Williams is playing the way he is without that familiarity and the chemistry that he has with a guy that he's played with forever now at this point uh, at different levels of basketball. So while a lot of us, and there are people that will say that Sean D. Brown should start over Eli Brooks. And like I said, you can make, you can make an argument for seven or eight guys to be in the starting lineup right now. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, based on what we've seen through four games, Juwan is pushing the right buttons, pulling the right strings right now and sending the right message. I mean, um, Wagner didn't play the rest of the first half after his two fouls. Livers didn't come in until late in the first half. You know, he was off the floor for quite a bit. He let that second group ride it out and a message was sent and messages have been sent in the locker room. And what we've seen in, you know, really all, but all, but the Oakland game, um, they've come back out. They've responded right out of the locker room. And, And today they didn't just respond out of the locker room. They played with their hair on fire and just, donkey kicked the team right out of the building. So I kind of just, at this point, it's good for social media fodder. It's good for podcast banter. But I think at this point, you just trust the man to press the buttons that he needs to press. Yeah, and I think that the fact that they've shown success in all of those hockey lines, as you called them, is about as encouraging as anything. I mean, at this point, the the group, I guess if you would put together all of their plus minuses, uh, the group that might be the worst might be the one that plays the first five minutes of every game uh it seems like they've been they've been getting off to these slow starts uh definitely tonight definitely against oakland um so to see that you have a reliable core type of group coming off the bench is is pretty i mean that's that's got to be settling and then you factor in brandon johns who uh, at this point last year wasn't really much, but when Isaiah Livers first went down, he really did prove himself. Mm-hmm. So you know that if you need anyone beyond those first three off the bench to kind of step into an expanded role, he's there too. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you guys bring it up. It's, it, it's a good problem to have. And again, it's the minutes played ultimately everything evens out because Austin Davis played 12 minutes uh, against yeah. UCF, 12 good minutes. He was two for two from the floor. He had four points and four rebounds. That's efficient. It's not like he took Hunter Dickinson's minutes. Hunter Dickinson played 24 minutes and yeah, Johnny Brown played an awesome game was probably, you know, seven for 12 from the floor, probably uh, the player of the game for Michigan, but Eli Brooks is playing well. Eli Brooks had 10 points, you know, four for nine from the floor, five assists, you know, did have four turnovers, but overall, you know, a good, good score, good, efficient game. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you guys on both counts, you know, as long if you can play deep, then play deep. I think it would be a much bigger issue if you felt like guy, the most talented guys weren't seeing the most minutes, that's not the case. I think after what was you know kind of a hodgepodge of ideas in the Bowling Green game, I think overall they kind of have the lineups figured out. Uh, before we call it a show, you know we've been we've been very complimentary, and I take none of it back. I think that this team looks pretty solid. They do deserve to be in the top twenty-five. Frankly, given how good and how deep this conference is, I 
I didn't really agree with them dropping out in the first place, but there is one thing about this team uh, that I, I think will be something to keep uh, our eyes on going forward. And that's on ball defense. You know, we, we talk about how great the, the defenses were the last two years when, when Yaklich was here and Beeline was the head coach. But uh, the reason I bring this up is because I think that this will be a team, as I mentioned earlier, that probably on 75% of the nights uh, in which they play, will just be able to simply outscore their opponents. Uh, they'll have better athletes. They'll be able to, to outshoot their opponents. But we've watched Big Ten basketball enough to know that there's going to be those nights in which you're going to have to win ugly. You're, there's going to be those nights you're going to win 55 to 50. And this is not meant to be an insult. In fact, it's actually a major compliment. Wisconsin and Michigan State are the kings of that. And the reason for it is because those teams, more often than not, have pretty elite defensive units. I think the one issue with this basketball team, and you saw it against Ball State and even against UCF, as much as the defensive uh, uh, intensity was was turned up in the second half of that game, you, you saw early on in both those games, a lot of backdoor cuts, a lot of easy jumpers. I think if there's one thing to look out for with this team that could be uh, an issue going forward, uh, I don't know yet, and we're going to find out. I don't know if this is a team necessarily capable of winning a game in a night in which their shots aren't necessarily falling. Do you guys agree with me, or do you think I'm being a bit uh, hyperbolic? I think you're definitely right, and I think that you can probably lump pick-and-roll defense in there with the the on-ball defense concerns. Yeah, uh, Austin Davis, I mean, it, it's a pretty – poorly kept secret that he's not that great of a defender around the basket. Then when you bring him outside and you kind of lure him out on the ball screens, it makes it even tougher. And Dickinson so far has shown that he can really wall up wall up well around the rim. But when you draw him out and you make him defend a ball screen, Michigan has really struggled. So I definitely think that there are areas on tape where other big 10 coaches might be licking their chops so far, seeing where they can kind of exploit Michigan but, I mean, as, as you said, I mean, they have the opportunities in the next two to three weeks. And as Big Ten play really kicks off to show that they can win ugly. And I think that if they're going to contend this year and really push to be in the top three, four, or even five teams of the conference, they're going to have to figure out ways to win ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where, you know, even going back to last year, that's outside of not seeing Jawan Howard coach in the postseason yet. You go back and look at the games from last year. They didn't really play in a ton of what I would consider, you know, Big Ten vintage style rock fights. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the ones where, you know, maybe the first to 60 is the one who wins the game or, you know, you barely score 65. I mean, um, yeah, it, it's just not, I haven't seen that yet. So I don't know. Um, and it goes back to, you know, we're talking about Austin Davis and, and why eventually they will probably turn the tide there, turn it over to Hunter Dickinson is that what's going to happen when you have to play, like you, you can't start a game with Austin Davis when you have to play Luca Garza, like you just can't do that. So even if Hunter Dickinson was to be drinking out of a fire hose, so to speak, and that's a lot for him to handle, um, you, you live with your lumps and you, and you do that. Um, that's a concern for sure. I, I, you know, on a night where their shots don't fall, it's going to be, it's going to be a problem. Um, the other, the flip side of that is that with as many guys as they have, that appears that they can shoot the basketball. What are the chances that everyone's like, if you have nights where everyone's off, then you're just, you're going to lose. That's, that's how basketball works sometimes. But I think you can get away with, um, you know, they've already, and we'll see again, big 10 plays a totally different monster, but we've seen them be able to get away with um, some quiet, like 
Isaiah Livers has had some very good games even before Sunday, um, but they've been somewhat quiet, and Franz Wagner has been somewhat quiet. Um, so we've seen them be able to survive that so far. Um, one other thought I would have um, outside of what we're talking about now is that, you know, when we are talking about, you know, lineups and rotations and things like that, it's possible, if not probable, that your entire starting five won't be here next year. So the fact that all of these young guys are getting time early, even Zeb Jackson, you can throw him in the mix. Um, looks like he has, you know, he's got quite a bit of juice there. And I think he's still kind of waiting to put it all together. He's very um, raw. All of a sudden, you're looking at it, you know, for his quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here, inexperiences they'll be next year. You'll have guys like Hunter Dickinson, Terrence Williams, Zeb Jackson to a certain extent. Um, these guys that are getting run early and playing prominent roles. So, like I said, um, I don't know what the ceiling is for this year yet. I, I think I know what the floor is. The floor is probably what you were last year, which would still be okay, still be pretty good. But I think this team can be better than that. And the more run that these young guys get, the more confident I am with the class that they have coming in next year that they might have something pretty special. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, two uh, quick points here before uh, we call it a show. I, I'm just I'm thinking back to last season and, and thinking about if they had any slugfests. I think there was one game where I remember they showed some real grit, and it was the road game against Rutgers. Where that they was the one. Yeah, they didn't have livers. And Geo Baker, after being pretty solid in the first half, David Julius, who's obviously not here anymore, but him and Eli Brooks, I thought, did a tremendous job on him. Uh, they won an ugly game there. And uh, that, But besides that, yeah, pretty small sample size. We're yet to see uh, how this team can win some of those Big Ten games. Uh, the, the last point uh, that I will make in talking about this team's ceiling and their floor, every time somebody's asked me what I think of Michigan basketball this year, my response is, I think they're going to be good. Now, good is a pretty vague term, uh, but I, as you said, Anthony, I think their floor is what they were last year. Their ceiling, in my opinion, depends almost entirely on how they develop as a defensive unit. And right now, hey, so far, so good. They're 4-0, and they played pretty darn good in, in both the games that we talked about that they played this week. So uh, I, unless anything else to add, I'll probably just uh, have you guys give your social media uh, pro. Uh, what's the name for social media handles and uh we, we can call it a show i'm not used to hosting here man it's a new gig um so anthony let's kick it over to you man if you don't have anything else to add tell me where people can find you on social media no uh the one note we will add is that uh next game against north carolina state acc big 10 challenge in ann arbor kind of on the ropes with that right now um there sounds like there might be a COVID thing going on with nc state don't be surprised if that game doesn't happen now that'll be interesting to see um, if they, if that game doesn't happen, if they try to fill that slot, I'm not sure. Um, everything's so fluid this year. It's all day to day. Um, I mean, even college football, they put together a game in the span of two games. It was amazing. Um, so keep an eye out on that, uh, social media wise, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T broom, follow the website at maze and brew on Twitter, uh, where, wherever social media is, our podcasts are wherever you get your shows, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, um, so yeah, follow us on all those platforms, rate us, review us, uh, share your feedback. Um, yeah, that's all I have. Daniel, what about you, man? I'm the same. I am at Daniel Dash underscore on Twitter, and you can find pretty much everything I write on Maze and Brew. 
And you can find me on the Twitter sphere at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. There you'll find the links to some of my uh, other ventures, uh, my YouTube page where I've been, uh, where I've reviewed a couple movies over the last few days. And uh, you can also find on Twitter the uh, link to my other show, Locked on Tigers, that I do on the Locked on Podcasting Network. That's at Locked on Tigers on Twitter. And you can find that wherever podcasts can be found, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever. So please follow me on all those platforms thank you uh to everyone who tuned in today Uh, this has been uh, a lot of fun and we look forward to making this uh a weekly show for you so thank you for tuning in everybody and we will see you next week